2: Welcome back, party people, to the place that everybody wants to be. That, of course, you know by now is Victory Lane. Speaking of places to be, I am not in my home of Maryland right now. I am currently sitting on the couch in my friend Elijah Burke's apartment here in Charlotte, North Carolina. Thanks for having me, big dog. Yeah, thanks for uh, coming down to Charlotte. It's awesome. You uh, So right now we're recording this at 11.31 a.m. I got here about 10.45. You're sitting on your porch with a red Solo cup in your hand. Yeah. Getting orange, after it a little early, aren't you? Orange Vanilla Coke, dude. Oh, strictly. That, strictly Orange Vanilla Coke. Nothing sure. Nothing else. Yeah, well, this podcast is not labeled explicit, so I'm glad that you said Orange Vanilla Coke. All right. So we had a few different drivers visit Victory Lane this past weekend uh, at Irwindale Speedway and at Texas from the K&N ranks to the three national series. Uh, hell of a weekend full of racing. And by the way, I know you don't care because you went to Brockport, but MSU in the final four. We're litty. I, I told you, I'm wearing a non-MSU shirt right now. It's my SpongeBob stock car racing shirt. For the first time in, I guess, like 30, 31 days, I'm not wearing a Michigan State shirt. So Listen, if we lose, I, it's your fault.
3: I care because you care. Thank you. It's what you do for your friends, bro. And I know you've worn these shirts so often that yeah. you, your washing machine must be on overload right now trying to swap out these shirts so you can keep your fandom up and keep the streak alive.
2: Yeah, that that's the plan. I think... Uh Well, I I definitely have to put on a Michigan State shirt at some point today so I can keep the streak alive, and I will be wearing my MSU polo on Saturday for game day. Better beat the Red Raiders and beat either the Cavs or the Tigers and win this natty. I digress. Um, So we're going to hear from all the drivers that were involved in the festivities this weekend from coast to coast, and we'll do it all once. Daryl Waltrip, who's kind of been in the headlines this week because he might retire, he might not, but Mm -hmm. he's still going to get us revved up for episode five
4: boogity 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 let's go racing boys
2: the Enios napa auto 150 took place at irwindale speedway this past weekend i actually talked with the Enios ceo and asked him how to pronounce the company name and i know elijah you work chip ganassi racing
3: it is Enios,
2: to my to my knowledge
3: yeah i never met with the ceo but i mean i heard it on tv i still in your job yeah
2: so I was asking him, and I was asking Brittany Samara. I was like, so is it Enios? Enios? Like, I, I didn't know what it was, but it's, it's how it's spelled. e Like, that's it. Enios. 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 So if you have any trouble, just come back and listen to this podcast. Um, after the race in my post-race video, shout out to Diego Alvarado for helping me film that, by the way. I gave this race a holy bejesus. And if you know me, you know that when I give out some holy bejesuses, that was a tongue twister, they deserve it from start to finish. Like this race was insane, action-packed, racing in the low groove, racing in the high groove, in between for all 150 laps of this k race. Irwindale Speedway, you've never been there, right, Elijah? I have not, unfortunately. It was. It's a great track. Um, I talked with Tim Huddleston before the race kind of to ask about how he came to have such a close connection with the track. And I also asked him, hey, what if your son Trevor wins this thing? And he's on the PA. He's like, man, if I was able to interview him on the PA as a track announcer, and my son wins his first K&M race at the track that I operate and am president of, like that would be insane. And he did exactly that. So Trevor Alderson wins the race, his first KM Pro Series victory. I know you saw the finish. I don't know if you were watching it live, but you definitely saw it, period. What did you think of it?
3: Yeah, we were actually uh, down at Hickory watching my friend Ryan Vargas race. And I think on the way back, he pulled up that video and. Just to see, first of all, Pat Grandstands. Amazing to have that on. I think oh, yeah. it was like Demolition Night or Destruction uh, Night. Night of Destruction. Night of Destruction, yes. right? And they had
2: a huge fireworks show.
3: Yeah, so great marketing efforts there. And also the finish itself, I mean, side by side, you can't ask for more there. But then afterwards, Trevor Huddleston ends up cutting down a tire and destroying his car in yeah. turn one.
2: as soon as he crossed the finish line. Like Lionel,
3: where's the race version diecast for that one? <laughs> That's going to need a new mold, but that would be awesome because... That finish got me off my feet, and I was sitting driving a car when I saw it. So it was it was pretty pretty awesome to see.
2: Yeah, it was crazy. And I was I was standing in pit road in the infield gathering some content for NASCAR home tracks, and I was standing right with Huddleston's crew members, and I was watching their reactions while also watching the finish, and I was just like, oh, my God, like this. Like, it was crazy. It was literally a drag race to the start-finish line, and we'll hear from Tanner Gray, who ended up finishing second, which is ironic because it was a drag race and a drag racer. Lost the drag race, so to speak. But he was second coming into the final lap and going into the final corner. Trevor was able to hold him off just by a nose. I think the final was uh, 0.03 seconds, maybe, or 003. I'm not good with math and decimals. But it was a crazy atmosphere when he climbed out of the car and celebrated with his hometown fans at his hometown track. I caught up with him as we were walking back to the garage area so he could celebrate with his number nine Sunrise Ford crew. As you can expect, he was on cloud nine. Trevor Huddleston, race winner in the K&M Pro Series at your home track. Dude, that finish, unbelievable. Walk me through what was going through your head as you were drag racing with the drag racer, Tanner Gray, across the star finish line. I don't know.
5: I'm still in shock. <laughs> that was absolutely insane. Me and him were bouncing off each other, I was bouncing off the wall. I mean, I, I didn't even know if we won. I hit the wall and got freaking the wind knocked out of me and I was like, did we win? And we won. So oh man unbelievable
2: can't thank everybody enough how, how special is it for you to do this here at your home track I talked to your dad earlier he said look I hope I'm talking to him in victory lane afterwards and you did exactly that for him
5: oh yeah we've been preparing for this moment for a long time uh, I know this track hopefully better than anybody yeah. because I mean I've been, I've been raised here and uh, to get this win it means so much to win in the K N series is unbelievable I mean it's got a stacked field and to win like that even better
2: you think that the track experience that you have here obviously that played dividends do you think that was a deciding factor oh 100 uh
5: i definitely had a one up on the field um i mean i like i said this is my home track i'm a three-time champion here um but besides that my crew gave me a great car no matter where it was and tonight showed in irwindale um i think you're gonna see a lot of that that nine
2: cars gonna be quick this year that's what i was gonna ask dude going forward i mean you are a championship contender now. People talk about the BMR cars, and they also talk about the Sunrise cars. I don't think people really considered you a championship contender until this win. You have you have a lot of confidence moving forward now in the West season, I assume.
5: Oh, yeah. We had confidence from the beginning. We knew we just had to get past that, that stuff they call dirt. Uh, that's that's uh, some pretty hectic stuff, but um, we're on asphalt now, and we're on asphalt for the rest of the year, so we're looking forward to it. Awesome. Thanks. Congrats, man. Thank
2: you. So, again, Elijah, like, Really storybook wild stuff in Southern California. It's nice to see a first time winner always and a photo finish nonetheless.
3: Yeah, for sure. The fans win. He wins as the driver. And I think everyone can feel good walking away from that, To except for the guy who got inched out by 0.03 seconds uh, to see that happen because it's a win for the sport all around. It gets more attention, gets more people in the stands, gets more people watching. Uh, side-by-side finishes allow
2: everything else to take care of itself look at you leading me into the next point you've done this a time or two haven't you so like i mentioned tanner gray was the dude who finished second and it was exactly a drag race at the start finish line something that he is very used to from his background last year winning the pro stock division in the nhra i believe he's the youngest ever champion of that division super super close at the end and only his second career K&N start, too, he made his first start at New Smyrna because he's a K&N Pro Series East regular, but came to Irwindale Speedway, said it kind of came together last minute, but him and the DGR crew came just a nose short. He had some funny sound bites here when I was asking him about whether or not he knew if he got him at the start-finish line. I'll let you hear it for yourself. Tanner Gray brings the DGR number 15 home in second place. What? What? Are you finished? I don't even know a word to describe it. What did you see from your seat? Yeah. No. I mean, uh, it was just
0: really good racing. I mean, with me, uh, the nine and the sixteen, uh, you have to, like we were racing each other really clean. Um, this racetrack produced really good racing. Like them putting the PJ one down there on on both ends of the bottom um, really helped. So that was that was a lot of fun. Um, I felt like I was the only one that was really able to get down there and, and be as fast as I was. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, really cool. I felt like I made a few mistakes, uh, like two laps in a row going into three that, that cost me. So I need to clean up my end of things. Uh, and then, uh, the deal I had come here to the line was unfortunate, but it's just, you know, it's both drivers using up all the racetrack, trying to get there first. Um, you know, it wasn't intentional, just coming to it. You know, I saw it was close and I'm trying to pinch him up. He's trying to pinch me down. So, I mean um uh, it's racing so uh congratulations to him um yeah, I can't thank everybody from DGR Crosby enough for for bringing me a really fast Toyota to Camry uh it's a lot of fun I feel like I learned a lot um, and really looking forward to getting to Bristol and and you know, learning everything or
2: applying everything that we learned here when you crossed the finish line did you know how close it was did you think that you had him no, when you cross, I knew you had me. I'm from drag
0: racing, man. I, I can see, you know, you can tell, like, 5 5,000 races. Yeah. I'm used to looking at stuff like that, but... Uh. So that's, like,
2: nothing new for you, man. Just drag race across start finish line. You feel right back at
0: home. <laughs> pretty, pretty much. I looked out the right side. I was like, damn, am I drag racing again? But, uh, no, it was, it was cool. Um uh, wish the outcome would have been just a little bit different, but... Hey, I mean, it is what it is now, and we'll, uh, we'll go on to the next one.
2: Like you said, though, you're from Drag racing, and it's only your second career K&N start, man. So, I mean, the second-place run led some laps there, challenging for the win. That's got to give you a lot of confidence moving into the rest of the East season. It does for sure, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I'm just trying to race as much
0: as I can. Um, I mean, having David out here has been incredible. I mean, he just flew from Texas on a red-eye last night to get here for today. and uh, I mean, having him around just – it's awesome. Uh, the advice he's able to give me and, and just like helping me throughout the race. Uh, I mean, it's, it's great to have a guy like him um, that supports and is this dedicated to his program. Um, it makes it really easy for uh, you know, guys like me and everybody else, all the other kids at DGR to, uh, to learn. Um, yeah, like I said,
2: I'm just really looking forward to getting to Bristol and uh, see what we have there. So I thought that was pretty funny, Elijah, when he said, "Hey, man, I'm from drag racing. I knew that I didn't have him. That's what I was been doing my whole life." But he was very, very impressive in only his second career K&N start. Led some laps and challenged for the win. He almost had it.
3: Yeah, I mean, I guess if you would have put the drag racing stoplights there and and had the red countdown to green, <laughs> maybe he would have been able yeah. to get it. But in that that spur of the moment when you're going side by side, you know, it, it's hard for those drag racing instincts to kick in right away. But hey, I mean. Great win by Trevor and, and great second-place finish for Tanner.
2: Absolutely, and we had a KN and n West regular come in third place, Derek Krause. He actually kind of dominated the race, led the most laps, 91 on the night, but he had his brakes go away at the end with about 25 or 30 laps to go. Unfortunately for him, was not able to stay in the lead uh, until the end of the race. He was able to hold on for third place, though, and like I said, I kind of said from the start, I think Derek Krause right now in the K&N Pro Series West is by far the best driver and the championship favorite. Uh, He won the opening race for K&N as a whole uh, on the East Coast at New Smyrna, and he's also going to be in action this weekend at Bristol uh, with the K&N Pro Series East. We were talking off mic before this. I think Derek Krause and Ruben Garcia are the two best K&N drivers right now in the series, and he showed it again, again, leading almost 100 laps in the number 16 for Bill McAnally Racing, a team that had five wins straight at this track coming into the event, 15 total. Um, so his brakes went away at the end. Wasn't really too down in the dumps because there was nothing really that he could do. He was just kind of glad that he kept it off the wall.
6: Derek Krause comes
2: home, P3 tonight. I know it's not what you wanted. You were leading late. Walk me through the final laps and what happened from your perspective.
4: I uh, just... I mean, I was leading. Go, the brakes were fading, 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 and, and, and finally, with seven to go, they finally they went out going into one. And that's when we get the lead up. And I was lucky to keep the thing out of the wall because my eyes were probably the size of a bowling ball going into one because the brakes ran out. But other than that, uh, it was a good, good night overall. We uh, finished third. It's a good points night for uh, the rest of the year. So I'm really looking forward to the rest of the year.
2: You think if you didn't have the brake trouble? And by the way, when did that start?
4: That started with about, I mean, it, the first half went with 25 to go. There was no okay. breaks. Or it just started fading really bad. And then this one, same thing about uh, about five laps after that last restart there. It just kind of started fading a little bit too much. And then finally seven to go, it just they were just gone. But overall, like I said, it started a great night.
2: You think if you didn't have the break trouble, you had them covered at the end, though?
4: I think it would have been tough to pass. I mean, you just got to... I mean, this place, I mean, it's there's a lot of grooves, and I give them a lot of credit for putting this VHT stuff down on the down on the racetrack because, like you saw on the restarts, I was able to use that, and I went through on the bottom and cleared them for the lead. But overall, I feel like this was a great racetrack to come back to, and I'm really happy the K&N came back to it.
2: Yeah, I mean, let's talk about that for a second because, I mean, the K&N series, the tracks are great. This one, I think, was specifically impressive because we haven't come here in a year, and the PJ1 down on the bottom created some incredible racing, especially on the restarts.
4: Yeah, like you said, the restarts were nuts. The first, the initial start, I went to the way bottom just oh, yeah? to just to try it out, and I cleared Haley for the lead, and then then after that, I knew that's what I was gonna do for the rest of the night. So I did it, and I was third that initial start in the second second segment of the race, and got to the lead. So I, overall, I think it was a great idea that they put it down, and they do on other tracks, and I think it's I think it's great.
2: Congrats on a nice run.
4: Thank you.
3: Yeah, and actually, Davey, I got to meet uh, Derek Krause's parents last week, in two weeks ago. Actually, Davy, I got to meet Derek Krause's parents a couple weeks ago in Martinsville and talked to them. And and one thing uh, his mom told me that I never realized was he was a part of our, our Generation G um, promotion over at Ganassi. Oh, you betcha! We, yeah, yeah. When we took in some of our uh, some of the, the upcoming talent in racing and kind of put them through a little bit of, of training. And, I mean, for sure, he is an up, up-and-coming talent that is to be rocking with every single week. I mean, especially at his age. I think he's, what, 17 now? Yeah, I think he just turned 17. That, and he's uh, this is his
2: third year in K&N, too. Yeah. It's insane.
3: It, it's absolutely crazy when you think about that age and the talent that he has. And he's going to be around for, for years to come.
2: Making some uh, Gander Outdoors Truck Series starts this season as well for BMR. His first one came at Martinsville a couple weeks ago. And they put PJ1 down on the bottom groove at Irwindale, and that, I mean, you were watching it. That did wonders, and that's partly why the racing was so good, I think, because Irwindale, I, again, I've never been there up until that this prior weekend. The top groove is the preferred lane. Like, that's where everybody's running. That's where everybody's running their qualifying laps, their practice laps. But the restarts were crazy, as Derek Krause talked about right there, because people were going to the bottom, trying to make moves. He was able to make that move stick on the initial start, passed his teammate Haley Deegan, and kind of led from there. So I think Irwindale uh, putting the PJ1 down on the bottom. Tanner Gray talked about it too. They did an incredible job. I think that was one of the main reasons why the racing was so, so good. Running down the rest of the top five, Jagger Jones, probably the best name in NASCAR right now if, if I had to put some money on it. Uh, he came home in fourth place, and Haley Deegan in fifth. Top 10, Cole Cabrera, Matt Levine, Brittany Zamora, Dylan Garner making his first ever k and Pro Series start for Bill McInerney Racing, and Jack Wood, not related to John Wood. I was kind of confused for a little bit. They rounded at the top 10. Again, great, great, great racing. Elijah, your final thoughts on the race at Irwindale? I think it was probably the best KN race we've seen all year, even though it's a small sample size.
3: Yeah, for sure. Definitely a great race. I I haven't been able to see the entire thing yet, but every single portion of that race in terms of a highlight that I've seen has been phenomenal, especially the grandstands. They were absolutely packed, and that's something that is a very good sign, especially for some West Coast racing.
2: Absolutely. Very, very fun night at Irwindale. Night of destruction. I didn't see any of it, but uh, if you watch my post-race video, there was a lot of carnage in the background. It was
3: after Trevor took the the checkered flag. Oh, yeah. That was the night of destruction. Yeah,
2: that, that was the night of destruction. I'm telling you, dude, like, I mean, you've been at Daytona when, um, you know, the winner crosses the finish line, and the, it's a Daytona 500. Like, that's as big as it gets. You've been at Miami when guys won the championship. So you know what it's like to be in a loud arena, especially at a NASCAR racetrack. This was crazy. Yeah. This was crazy. I think it was a mix of Tim Huddleston being on the PA and just being absolutely amped out of his mind. Trevor, the hometown kid, winning his first K&N race ever. And he's won three track championships at Irwindale. And a photo finish. It It was just a perfect mix, a perfect storm of everything. Um, it was just incredible. So that was really cool. You said you haven't watched the full broadcast of the race, but you'll be able to on NBCSN on April 8th at 8 p.m. So probably when you're listening to this in a few days. So be sure to tune in then. Heather Debo with NBCSN does a great job as always. Um, so be sure to tune in there. All right, Elijah, the Cup Series was in action in the Lone Star State, Texas Motor Speedway. Denny Hamlin, he wins the race, and my favorite pun lives on, Denny delivers. Uh, after two pit road speeding penalties, though, actually one uncontrolled tire and one speeding penalty, and he also missed pit road under green, which cost him about five seconds during green flag pit stops, but he rebounded and he delivered. What did you think of Denny's performance?
3: Yeah, it's funny because the, the running joke in the NASCAR community is that Denny is consistently speeding on pit road, which he is. And it's just, it shows every week, and it's not even an exaggerated joke at this point, but. Uh, a great job you know kudos to that team for for being able to to pull it off after two
2: penalties in a 500 mile race is, is something pretty cool second one of the season for the number 11 FedEx Toyota Joe Gibbs Racing team but it did not come easy for denny take a listen
1: we ran out of fuel uh <laughs> i know it's amazing it was we ran very out of fuel early day. in the race uh i passed pit road and we ran out that cost us i don't know 6 7 it was a lot it seemed like a lot I lost it straight away to everybody else. Three hundred and twenty seven cars by my count, but maybe then, not that uh, and then I tried to come to Pit Road hot and I about spun out and I had to let off the brake to keep from spinning out and then I knew I wasn't gonna make Pit Road so I had to check up and then lose another four or five seconds under another green flag sequence. And then um and then we just i was just beating my head against the <laughs> steering wheel thinking man we're gonna finish bad with a really fast car and um we just kept digging and chris kept doing a good job and encouraging us that we had a long way to go and we kept passing cars and passing cars and i think at some point we passed everyone for sure um but uh once we got the clean air in the front uh the 20 pulled off for his pit stop it allowed me to be more aggressive uh, with the way I was driving, and then we made a really good adjustment there at the end that got our car better. So, really, the only time our car, you know, kind of struggled handling-wise was when we were in that pack of three with our teammates. Um, and and you know, had we had the balance we had earlier in the day, I felt like we could have probably got around them. But certainly, we were uh, uh, we we had a great car all day. Just a you know l- you know a bunch of hiccups in the middle of it, and we just uh, were, we're fast enough to overcome uh, everything that you know kind of got thrown at us
2: Chris Gabehart is his crew chief and he was the man who made a couple good calls including taking no tires on a round of pit stops at the end of stage two to win that stage get that playoff point it's got I think it's something about new crew chiefs and Denny Hamlin that work well when Mike Wheeler came into the fold a few years back one Daytona they won a couple races that year contended for a championship I mean if Denny just wants to switch crew chiefs every year I feel like that'd work out pretty well for him
3: yeah, it might just be the whole thing about having a fresh new start and a new way to look at things. Every driver and every team operates differently. Well, but
2: Denny said when Wheels came into the fold, he was like, Wheels is my last crew chief. That's it. And then obviously things didn't work out, so now Chris Gaypart's in the fold. I mean, I I don't know if we should expect this marriage to last long or what. I
3: I guess we'll find out as the season goes yep. on, but it's definitely played uh, into his favor so far.
2: Yeah, so let's hear from Chris Gabehart. Um, Like I said, I guess it's something about this new crew chief marriage with Denny Hamlin. Uh, but he made some pretty ballsy calls, and they wound up paying off in the long run as he gets his second career win as a Cup Series crew chief with Denny Hamlin.
1: Very difficult decision to wrestle with. That's what I'm going to say. But no, for for what for our car and, and the performance and kind of everything we were seeing, it was uh it was very not necessarily track position oriented race because we found a way to give that give that away a lot in the race. But uh, minimum time on pit road and and for. Our scenario each time, it just it just made the most sense. Unfortunately, it worked out.
2: All right, Elijah, I want to bring up a point to you that I heard Brett Griffin, who everybody knows by now, uh, spotter for Clint Bore in the Cup Series on Door Bumper Clear. I, I was thinking this, too, at the start of the season, how Denny Hamlin might be hearing some footsteps, some pitter-patters of Christopher Bell coming into the fold in the JGR next season because he's cup-ready now, Christopher Bell is, of course. He's in the Xfinity Series with JGR right now, and he was contending for the championship last year, frankly, probably should have won it if Tyler Reddick didn't go on an absolute tear on the top at Homestead. Um, So coming into the year, I mean, I was thinking, all right, if Denny doesn't really have a great season, he might be out, but he has sponsorship support from FedEx, the only full-time sponsor still left in the sport. Oh, I take that back, Ally Financial. Ally
3: Financial, y'all.
2: Yeah, you're the marketing guy. You'll you'll set me straight. Um, So I thought the whispers were getting to him. Um, I'm curious to see whether or not you thought that was the case, and what do you think of it now considering he already has two wins locked solidly into the playoffs, and this is the best start that he's had to his career ever in Cup. Well,
3: first off, I want to say uh, that PNC Bank and Credit One are much better than LA Financial. But besides <laughs> that, company man, um, I think that for for Denny Hamlin, Christopher Bell is obviously a heck of a talent. I mean, he's been giving our driver, Kyle Larson, run for his money ever since he's... He's challenged him in dirt and there's yeah. there's no doubt he's gonna be in the cup series running. It's just it's gonna be where the it's a matter of
2: when not if
3: yes exactly and it has to be the right sponsor mm-hmm. that wants to believe in him toyota is not letting him go there there's no, no way show. i i would not let him go if i were them either and that's mm-hmm. just it's what
2: what's going to happen so we'll there's see. no spots at jgr that's, that's what i'm saying like
3: that's the thing there's there's it's like a tetris piece that's coming down but you, it just yeah. is not going to fit anywhere correctly and right
2: that's what i have in my notes here like eric jones may be feeling some pressure now because he has that one win at daytona last year and he's been running really well and at texas i mean he finished in the top five in fifth place but you're not getting rid of Kyle Busch. Never. You're not getting rid of Martin Truex Jr., who's – this is his first year with the team. He won the championship two years ago. Mm-hmm. Now you're not getting rid of Denny Hamlin because, one, he has a sponsorship going for him. Two, he's having the best season of his career. But Eric Jones, I mean, I'm not going to say he's the odd man out because I don't think he is because he's so young. He's still starting his cup career right now, and he's, he hasn't even hit his stride. He's not even close to his peak performance. Which, according to statistics, with David Smith and Motorsports Analytics, is age 39. It's actually kind of crazy how like accurate that stat is. Like every single driver that is retired now, their peak age came at age 39. Like it's crazy. That's an aside, but I I don't know. Like I don't know where he's gonna go. I don't think you could put him with LFR and be Matt De Benedetto's teammate next year. Jeez. I never messed that up too. (laughs) Um, You could put him there, but. Their stuff is not up to snuff with Joe Gibbs Racing. I mean, no, for, it took Furniture Row Racing a while to be as good as JGR.
3: Right, and that is where the pressure is going to come in, is we have in the Cup Series just a field size that shrinks, and it's so hard to start up a new team and find yeah. a new sponsor who wants to spend money, and that's why it's going to take forcing someone out or just a year of him maybe not having the equipment to be there but driving, driving his butt off. Yeah. Like, CGR in 2014 when Kyle came in— it was not equipment that could win every weekend. Mm-hmm. But Kyle Larson would take that car and make it look like it could win a lot of weekends. And, you know, sometimes it never really got it done in the end. But still, it, and that could be the case for Christopher Bell this next season. But we'll see. I think it's going to take forcing somebody out one way or another. And it's going to be a hard decision for these teams to make.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm really curious to see how that entire situation plays out. Um, Clint Boyer came home in second place in that race at Texas, the O'Reilly Auto Parts 500. Daniel Suarez, P3, really solid run for him, SHR 2-3. Um, and I was actually un- unable to watch this race, but I saw highlights of qualifying, and that was a Shisho in and of itself again. But um, he was the only guy that kind of went out on his own and said, you know what, screw you guys. I'm not going to wait for anybody. I'm going to go out, do my thing. And he qualified well, um, and he was able to parlay that into a solid finish as well. Eric Jones finishing in fourth place, not fifth. Jimmy Johnson, fifth place. Elijah, what are your thoughts on him? I mean... Started on the pole for the first time since twenty sixteen and led sixty laps, which is not that many, but it's more than he led all of last season. Really good to see seven time running up front.
3: Yeah, and I don't know what it was for Hendrick, but I mean qualifying first, second, third, and could have been possibly fourth if Alex Bowman didn't have a hiccup in the first round. Yeah. But anytime somebody from, you know, my generation of racing, I think, sees Jimmy Johnson do well after he did so great, he's fallen off. And then he has this, this moment of, of greatness again or, or like, oh, like he's on the up and up. Yeah, I think it's a positive for everyone. It, it's just like what happens with, with a Jeff Gordon. You know, they're hated at first exactly. and then they come back and everyone realized what greatness they saw. So anything that Jimmy Johnson's doing out there that's good, I think is good for the sport right now. And he's definitely going to get a win before this year is over. It's just about beating the Penske and the Gibbs guys right now because – they, they obviously have it all put together, and all the teams are just trying to catch up.
2: Could not agree with you more there. Uh, William Byron, Eric Almarola, Kevin Harvick, Skirt, Skirt, Bush, and Kyle Bush rounded out the top ten. I know you like that, Skirt, Skirt, Bush.
3: Oh, dude, all day.
2: Uh, quick aside, we were at Martinsville, and Kurt Bush was walking in the garage area, and Elijah sees him, and he goes, Skirt, Skirt, and Skirt, and skirt Kurt <laughs> turns around and gives him a little smile. It was so funny. That's um, the culture I enjoy at CGR. Yeah, of course. Uh, so no triple header sweep this weekend, past weekend for Kyle Busch, unfortunately. was leading late, but he uh, went up the hill trying to get all he can get and then hit the wall a couple laps later. Seemed like a solid race from what I saw. Possibly the best one with the new rules package. Elijah, are shaking your head yes, so I'll take your word for it. I mean, at least we're seeing some positive results moving forward with this new package. Yeah,
3: and shout out to Christian Espinosa who's been putting out these videos of comparing the, the current package and these races from this year to the same lap or same segment that that race had last year. The and content I crave. Exactly, because you get to understand how much closer these cars are together. And even if the cars aren't as easy to spin out or the drivers aren't on edge, you can't argue that, especially at Texas, where the tires aren't falling off and the guys are in packs, first through fifth was in a pack for the first like 30 or 40 laps of a run, and that was no, no one could get away from each other until mm-hmm. you got 60 or 70 laps into a run, and
2: that that's exciting in itself. All right. Let's throw it over to my interview with Johnny Sauter truck series champion. I caught up with him a few weeks back now at Las Vegas motor speedway kind of went all across the board here. Um, You know, he had a strange borderline tumultuous off season with losing his ride at um, GMS racing, coming back into the fold at Thor sport racing. Um, And you'll, you'll want to listen to the end because he, uh, he gave us some cheese advice being from Wisconsin. So Hope you enjoy my conversation with Johnny Sauter, and then right after that, back to back, you'll hear from Natalie Decker, uh, one of the females that's racing in the NASCAR K&N Pro Series East event this upcoming weekend at Bristol. I I don't know if this is like an official stat, Elijah. I I, I try to look it up, but there's three females racing in this race. I feel like that's got to be definitely first in K&N. I don't know about NASCAR overall, but I mean, it's pretty, pretty cool to see some diversity, right?
3: Yeah, for sure, 100%. I mean, what Rev does is diversity and then also you have a lot of females running it too. Yeah. It's just cool cuz it adds another factor to it and and it shows that a lot of them can compete the same that the guys can and they're, they're proving uh the fans wrong and and the team's wrong every week with with their their you know, maybe preconceived notions on how they're going to be. They go out and they they kick butt every week and that's good.
2: Girl power, as they say. So you hear from Johnny Sartre, and then you'll hear from Natalie Decker. I interviewed her over the phone. And like I said last week, it's kind of crappy audio quality. I got to figure out a better way of doing it um, that's cost-effective, of course. But uh, she had some good things to say. <laughs> Funny soundbite about seeing um, uh, women drivers and crew members and everything in the bathroom, at, in the garage area at the racetrack, which has not always been the case for her. So enjoy that double shot of interviews kind of like a new home but also it's not tell me about what the feeling's been like in the first couple weeks kind of just getting back acclimated with ThorSport.
7: Sport uh, honestly it's been awesome um you know I I still remember the first day that I walked back in the shop and, and you see a lot of familiar faces and obviously new faces too so um yeah I mean it's just been it's been awesome I always kind of felt like we had some unfinished business uh at yeah. Thor Sport so um yeah, I just thank Duke and Rana for bringing me back, and, and uh, hopefully we can make good on it, win some races, and try to ro- win a championship. Since so season was kind of weird, I mean, things happen
2: very fast. Uh, if you can, can you take me through the timetable of when things happened and when things, I guess, just fall, fell apart?
7: Yeah, I mean, obviously um, it was kind of a surprise, I guess, and uh, I think it was like January the 10th or somewhere around that neighborhood. Um, you know, they basically just told me that uh, they wanted to do something different, so... Um, the Thor Sport thing kind of, kind of came together pretty quick after that. So, um, yeah, I'm just lucky that uh, to, to even have an opportunity. Honestly, that's how I feel about it. And uh, we're going to make damn good on that opportunity. And, uh, you know, just, that's business sometimes, and that's the, the world of racing. It's uh, peaks and valleys, you know. And uh, I, feel, I feel great about it, though. Honestly, I, I couldn't ask for a better opportunity to, to come back. And, and um, it's going to be a lot of fun. I can already feel it.
2: That's what I was gonna ask. I mean, I get that it's a business thing, but did you feel slighted by them at all? I mean, do you have any animosity?
7: I have none, honestly. Um, this opportunity here is 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 um, probably for me personally a better opportunity, honestly, um, when I look at it. Um, and it's 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 good. I live in Wisconsin. It's a little closer to home. Uh, I feel like you know you you want to go to the shop and hang out and do all those kinds of things. So. Um, and Duke and Ron have been nothing but great to me and, and a lot of guys at the shop We got a couple of guys on this team that uh, were, were with me when I was there the last time. So um, I, I think it's a it's a good deal honestly. I you know you get caught up in emotion or whatever and and you know you, you're worried about Animosity like you said I I don't care for that stuff. It don't matter. You know, I'm on to the next phase and um, That's trying to win races in the 13.
2: You think you have something to prove at all or is it more so just business as usual?
7: I mean, I don't know. I always feel like I have something to prove. It doesn't matter if I've won six races or no races. I'm you know, i the kind of guy that always kind of carries that with him no matter what. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty self-motivated, I guess. I, uh, So I, I just want to win races, uh, you know, for me and for everybody. So um, I don't know that I could be motivated anymore. I, I always give it my best. And the thing is with the truck series, right, you have a lot of young
2: guys coming in year after year, a lot of quick turnover. We have guys like you and guys that have been here forever and know and love the series do you think that there needs to be anything done or should there be anything done to kind of help the veterans like you guys stay around longer and have that contract stability do you think anything needs to
7: be done well I don't know that anything can be done quite frankly I mean at the end of the day there's team owners and, and they decide who drives their stuff right so um, you know that's their choice and that's their deal so um, how you would ever control that I, I don't I just don't think that's even realistic so um you know it's uh, <laughs> you gotta you know you're just thankful that you know people like like duke and um you know that there's that there's guys out there that that um appreciate your experiences i guess and and all that and and i uh, want you to to try to win races for them
2: was there a moment in the off season after you got the news from gms where you thought to yourself okay i might be taking a little bit of time off did that ever go through your head or were you always just centered on i'm going to be racing in daytona
7: well i think initially when it happened you know there of course you go through that moment where you're kind of like ah you know maybe I'm retired maybe I'm you know maybe it's time to do something different but have more left in the tank though (laughs) no I I definitely feel like you do but you know sometimes that's not your choice so um but then obviously my first conversation with Duke I felt pretty confident about you know maybe doing something over here so um you know having said that I I didn't feel like I was on the sidelines very long and um you know last week was a big shot in the arm with a good run and uh we had really good speed here yesterday, so I'm, I don't know, we're just, winning races is the ultimate, I mean, that's thats what I get, you know, that's a lot of satisfaction in that, so first time we pull into victory lane this year with, a, you know, the 13 truck, it's going to be pretty, pretty awesome.
2: And that's the thing, you went from a championship caliber team to nothing, and now you're back with a championship caliber team. That's got to give you confidence for the rest of the year, I know.
7: Nah, for sure, I mean, when you look at the truck series, there's... You know thorsport and a couple others and and you want to be with aligned with one of those if, if you're going to want to go to the racetrack and be competitive week in and week out so um yeah you know we came so close to winning a championship at thorsport i guess it was six eight years ago whenever it was and yeah, it still kind of burns a little bit so um yeah i mean the goal is to win races like i said number one and then the championship so um but yeah when you as a driver or at least for me i don't know if i speak for everybody but you just want to know that you have the opportunity to win week in and week out and and I, and I have that
2: so we're here this weekend in las vegas triple header with a cup and xfinity here as well with you with the trucks you're not a stranger to cup or xfinity i mean for those of you that, for those of you listening that don't know you had a stint in 07 running a full-time year all i remember about that year because i was pretty young was that yellow car that wasn't actually yellow what do you what do you kind of remember about that year
7: yeah no i uh it was a, a long year i was with a startup team um mm-hmm. uh, or basically a team that had one existing team wanted to add a, a second one so um, I remember the first five races going to those without points, and at that time, 2007, I think there was like 45 to 50 cup cars showing up every week, so um, we knew that we had to make it in on speed, so uh, back then, qualifying was pretty nerve-wracking, but, you know, we had some success that year. We run fifth, I think, in the all-star race and, and uh, ran in the top ten some and um, ran really good at some tracks, so it was it was a good year, um, but... Honestly, it's been quite a while ago. My memory's kind of shot. Yeah. I was gonna say,
2: I mean, you don't have any itch to go back to the Cup Series at this point, I'm assuming?
7: Nah, no, not at all. I, you know, obviously I've got four kids and my wife and and uh, I like being able to do things with them and, and uh, the Cup Cup schedule is very demanding yeah. and, it, and it's, uh, do I think I can do it? Absolutely. Um, but it's, it's one of those deals where I just, I like having the opportunity to be competitive week in and week out and, and there's only so many seats over there that can do that, so. Um, I'm very very content where I'm at.
2: If it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's what they say. And you talk about spending time with your family and you mentioned earlier you live in Wisconsin when the NASCAR hubs in Charlotte, but Thor Sport, you're kind of closer there living in Wisconsin. Have you found it tough to write your career living away from the hub, so to speak, in Charlotte or is it kind of something that's always been normal for you?
7: Well, I mean, I did both. I lived in Charlotte for a while and then, uh, you know, my kids started to get a little older and I said, uh, you know, if I'm not racing, I'm not going to live in Charlotte, North Carolina. I can tell you that. So um, it was good just to get home, but um, you know, I'm a Wisconsin guy through and through, so I I love being there, and um, you know, honestly, I think in a lot of ways, it's some of my best years in my career have been since I've been away from the fray, so to speak, and, and you know, it's sometimes it's just nice to get away from it. I know what I need to do when I get to the racetrack, and it's it's hard Monday, Tuesday, or whatever, if you go to lunch, and all people want to do is talk yeah. racing and stuff, so. Just less distractions. Yeah, no, it is, and it's uh, I don't know, you just kind of you get all week to get geared up to go to the racetrack, and it, it keeps you, you know, it keeps it fun. It keeps you pumped up.
2: So I guess wrapping up here, there's a lot of young guys in the series, like I said, and you being a veteran, you've been there, done that. You've won championships. You've won races. You do that perennially. Have any of these young guys come to you for advice throughout the years, whether it be this year or years prior, and say, hey, Johnny, you know, I'm new at this. What should I know about this? I want to move up. Have they come to you and kind of asked you for advice in that respect?
7: I mean, not so much about career advice, but they do call and ask you about, you know, you know, certain racetracks or whatever they come to you after practice. Hey, what'd you think here? What'd you see here? Did it, you know, you were behind me. Did you see anything? So, and and obviously I've been on teams where you've had rookie drivers too. So you've kind of been in that, you get used to that environment of working with a guy that's, you know, quite frankly, never been here before or whatever. So um, I have no problem doing that. I had plenty of people help me out early in my career. So. If I can help somebody, great. If I can't, that's fine too. So
2: this season, realistic expectations. What are they?
7: Well, geez, I mean, the way that we fired off here, I feel like we should be able to win races. Number one, Um, how many that is remains to be seen. But, um, and I really feel like we are a title-contending program. So uh, we got a really good group of guys. Our our pit stops are good. We got you know Ford support. We got everything we need. We just got to put it together. So. being new, we might have had a, a stumble here or there, but I, I feel like we've kind of hit the ground running, so to speak. And uh, so I, you know, winning races number one, number two is to, to have an opportunity to run for a championship.
2: And Joshua Junior's on the box for you this year. How's the relationship with him been so far?
7: oh it's been good. I, um, you know, he's kind of been there through and through through the years, and uh, we've had some success, and and um, so it's been, it's been good. Obviously. Um, it takes more than one or two guys, you know, not just a driver, not just a crew chief. you got to have a whole group of people. So um, ThorSport has grown a lot um, in regards to just how the shop is set up and, and how it operates on a day-to-day basis. You know, the stuff that I kind of look at, um, you know, to kind of gauge where I feel like we are, and uh, it's it's pretty powerful stuff. So uh, I feel like, you know, having Joe is, is an asset for sure, and, and working with my teammates, obviously, Crafton and, and Rhodes and Enfinger and, and Snyder. So... Um, we got a lot of experience, and we need to utilize that. Absolutely.
2: And you being from Wisconsin, you had Matt Kenseth, and now you got a younger guy coming up in the K&N series, Derek
7: Krause. He's from Stratford. Have you been able to chat with him at all, two Wisconsin guys, chitin' at hit? Yeah, I mean, a little bit. I see him more at late-model races than I do anything yeah. uh, when I go home and run some. So um, I'm aware of him. Uh, I knew his dad. You know, I raced against his dad some. But uh, I've only talked to Derek a couple of times. You know, it's um, it's just funny, you know. Yeah you feel like you're the young guy and then your career goes <laughs> on and next thing you find yourself you're 40 and there's there's younger guys coming along you but get aged pretty
2: quickly yeah no
7: it, it goes by quick so yeah. um but he's obviously had some success in the k and so uh more power to him i've never been to wisconsin if i go what kind of cheese should i get when i get off the plane <laughs> you probably hate those, that question but i have to ask it what kind of cheese yeah uh well you could have any kind you want but um a lot of people like cheese curds. You can buy them yeah. pretty much at any gas station or whatever, and, and uh, they're pretty easily accessible. But there's a lot of cheese chalets and stuff. Personally, my favorite is Munster Cheese. But, um, That's all you had to
2: say. Munster's it. Munster's it.
7: That's it. That's mine. <laughs> awesome. Johnny, thanks so much. Thank you. So, Natalie,
2: this is your first K&M Pro Series start this weekend. I know you've raced kind of a ton of other vehicles in your career, sports car stuff, open wheel stuff, Arca stuff, stock cars. I mean, you, you've done it all, but... How do you anticipate this weekend at Bristol being different from the stuff that you've raced in the past?
6: I have no idea what it's going to be like, but (laughs) I'm so excited to go there. Everyone says how crazy it is and that you get lost (laughs) because you're constantly turning. Um, But I come from short track racing and tracks kind of similar to Bristol. So I'm really excited. I love short tracks. That's what I grew up doing. But like you said, I've been doing so many different things this year. And I feel like that's really helped me as a driver to learn as much as I can.
2: And you're obviously in some of the best equipment in the series this weekend with DGR. And you've been with them for a handful of months now. I'm kind of curious, how has, how has David Gillin and everybody over at DGR, how have they helped you kinda with the acclimation process to running more this season in full bodied stock cars and specifically leading up to this weekend with K and N
6: DGR is such a wonderful team. I'm so happy I'm with them this year. They have already taught me so much and it's so amazing that I can go to an ARCA race or a truck race or K and N like we are this weekend and get to be with the same guys working with the same crew chief same crew guys everything and i feel like that is so important and that is one of the biggest reasons um we really wanted to race with dgr and it's just so comfortable to know your guys and not jumping around to different teams of different crew chiefs i feel like this is the best way i can learn the most and david is so wonderful he he's the best i love learning from him and he's just a great guy to be around, and he's always so positive and trying to you know, teach you a lesson all the time in every way possible.
2: That's kind of different than most young drivers kind of working their way up. There, There's some out there that are with one team, one manufacturer, but there's a lot that kind of bounce around from team to team, uh, driving different race cars, different manufacturers, but you've been with Toyota and been with DGR for pretty much the long haul. Do you think that coming into this weekend, I mean, that's obviously giving you the upper hand, but... Do you think that's kind of one of the main factors that's going to give you familiarity and maybe an upper hand and getting a solid finish this weekend?
6: I don't know if it's going to give me the upper hand. Um, you know, every a lot of teams that are going to be there, a lot of the drivers, they're all so good. Right. But DGR, we're bringing four cars to the track. So the odds are pretty good that one of the DGR cars are going to win the race. And they're, they're such a good team. And I think it is good for me as a driver to work with the same crew. It can teach me to learn more and not, you know, have to focus to um, learn a different lingo that a different crew chief is using, or there's just so many different things. And to be able to work with the same crew chief all year long, from truck to ARCA to K&N, um, I think is really important, and I'm, I'm really glad I'm with this team.
2: For sure. And, and you're going to be one of three females running this race alongside Haley Deegan and Brittany Zamora for Bill McAnally. And you've kind of been at the forefront in terms of a face for female racers in NASCAR as of late. I know that's something that you take a lot of pride in.
6: Yeah, I think it's so amazing. I'm so excited that there's so many different females racing this year. You got them racing in K&N, and then in the Truck Series, you got me, and then there's Angela, who's also racing in the Truck Series, and Jennifer Joe. she also, you know, she owns and races, so that's really cool, but there's so many females and there's even so many young girls coming up that are racing super late models and even dirt cars and go-karts, and I think it's just so cool to see so many girls in the garage area I like love going to the bathroom and seeing more than you know seeing other girls in race suits going to the bathroom I'm like (laughs) yeah that's awesome I know that's so weird like that like you wouldn't think that would be cool but it is so like from growing up short track racing there was I rarely would race against other females so now the higher up I go and the more females there are. I just think it's so cool to see that many girls in suits or even mechanics, engineers, anything at the racetrack.
2: I have to say that's probably the first time that I've heard somebody excited about going to the bathroom on a race weekend. But hey, Wait, what...
6: Hey, I mean, when you get to see other girls, I'm like, that is awesome.
2: <laughs> yeah, whatever works, whatever works. Okay, so so back to this weekend. What are what do you think that realistic expectations are? For you, do you do you kind of base it more off of straight finishing position, or are you going to base it more off of what you're able to learn throughout the race? Kind of how do you how do you kind of handicap that?
6: I'm going to base this off of what I can learn because the big goal is coming back and doing the truck race at Bristol. So I'm going to Bristol to learn as much as I can about Bristol um, to prepare myself for the truck race. And you know, if I can come out with a really good finish, obviously that is another goal. But, to be honest, the biggest thing I want to do there is learn for the truck race.
2: And moving forward this season in 2019, specifically with the K&N Pro Series, I know you got a handful of truck starts planned with DGR. Can you kind of share what your plans are in terms of this series with DGR, with K&N? What are your plans moving forward?
6: Um, we are only currently doing one K&N race, and that will be at Bristol. Um, but the way we kind of wanted to go about this year was do a KN race or an ARCA race that will help prepare me for a truck race Mm -hmm. because that is our main focus is the truck series. So, like, we're doing, um, you know, we did Daytona in the ARCA car and now we're going to also do Talladega in the ARCA car and that's just going to help me learn more and faster for truck races at super speedways and then the same thing is there's a canon race that's going to be at Bristol and it lines up perfect it falls in my schedule so that's why we're able to do it and that's why we wanted to do it just to help prepare me for the truck race
2: so as of now nothing nothing planned for the rest of the year just this one Bristol race but if anything comes up then you'll kind of cross that bridge when you get to it type of thing.
6: Yeah,
2: exactly. Cool, cool. Well, Natalie, thank you so much. Uh, Looking forward to seeing you this weekend.
6: Yeah, thank you so much.
2: All right, you got it. Hope you enjoyed those interviews with Johnny Sauter and Natalie Decker. We just listened to them right now, didn't we, Elijah? Great conversations, huh?
3: Oh, 100%, dude. Love hearing them. Yeah.
2: All right, so let's look ahead to Bristol Motor Speedway. We are heading there later tonight. Food City 500 will take place on Sunday at 2 p.m. Stages will be 125, 125, and 250 laps-wise. 266.5 miles around the world's fastest half mile. 500 total laps. Kyle Busch is the defending winner of the event. Keep an eye on Ryan Blaney, though. I think he might be my pick to win this weekend. I've picked him a couple of the past weekends, and it hasn't panned out for me. He led a handful of laps here, um, if not last season, possibly the year before um, but he's been fast here pretty much since he came into the Cup Series. So I keep an eye on Ryan Blaney. I know you're keeping an eye on your boy Skirt, Skirt Bush. He won here a couple years ago as well. Yeah, yeah. One here back
3: in uh, August when we were there. And, and Larson ended up finishing second. And that's, of course, when Kurt wasn't with us. But I think anyone who can get around the track like he can is going to have a very good shot. How many wins does he have there? Ten? Nine? Something like that? I think he's got five now. Oh. Five in the cup series, Damn. at least. Yeah. Okay. I, I wish it was nine or 10. It'll probably be nine or 10 by the time he's, Damn, I was he's retired, old. but listen, he, he will be some guy who's, who's up there this weekend and Kyle Larson will be as well. It's just all about how the, the cars with this new package are going to react to the PJ one, the adhesive they're putting down there because we're yep. going to have higher corner speeds. We're going to have more fall off. Mm-hmm. These guys are literally going to be airplanes in a gymnasium.
2: Yeah, the what Brad Keselowski said, and I played it for you last week on the show, was um, he thinks it's going to be World of Outlaws basically on pavement, uh, which I don't is know if insane. it'll be that
3: extreme, but it'll be, it'll be a lot more extreme than what, it was last yeah, year. Yeah, what he
2: was getting at was essentially the fact that there's this much downforce on the cars, and Goodyear has brought a tire so far to the racetrack this season that has not really worn out. So you're going to be able to run the tires really hard, and you're going to be on the gas pretty much the entire time around Bristol. Some people are kind of predicting new track records maybe are going to be broken. Um, they're going to be three or two or three tenths faster than last year's speeds. So I'm interested to see whether or not that comes to fruition, um, whether or not the, the bottom is going to be able to work out. I know the top is obviously the preferred groove, whether or not the PJ1, VHT, uh, whatever you want to call it, which is kind of becoming like a whole catchphrase now, whatever you want to call it. But I'm interested to see if that's going to play dividends towards the end of the race because, as we know, it wears out throughout the run. 500 laps, that's a long, long time, especially with Xfinity and the k and Pro Series East there. So I think Bristol is going to be very interesting. I hope that it's going to be a little better than what we saw at Phoenix and Martinsville because with this new package, we didn't really expect it to be tough to pass at short tracks, but it's kind of been the case... Of that, I mean, Brad Keselowski leading almost 450 laps at Martinsville is not really what you expected. You expect beat and banging, battling for the lead. I mean, it was close, but nobody could really get by the leader. So I, th- I think we'll see a fun show, though.
3: Yeah, and, and I don't think any lack of off-throttle time has ever helped any racing series anywhere. We need more Preach, off-throttle time. Preach. But at the same time, at a place like Bristol, there is nowhere to go. There's always, If you're going to be running flat out there— and a place like dover mm-hmm. my gosh you're gonna have to still be up on the wheel it's gonna be exciting either way and i'd suggest everyone tune in just to see how it yeah. plays out
2: brad keselowski was also talking he was like yeah i don't know how we're gonna like physical fitness wise like he was saying man my arms are gonna fall off and even matt de benedetto last week was saying man i'm tired and his spotter was like well that's what you do all the crossfit for i think i heard it in radioactive he was like well it's not panning out now so <laughs> I hope you did a lot of CrossFit this week, Matt, because uh, you might be pretty tired. He had, he had a good run here a couple years ago um, with an underfunded team. I think that was when he was with BK Racing. I want to say he maybe finished inside the top yeah, 10. The yep, yeah, the 83. Yeah. Sixth place. So, and that's what I want to talk about real quick. Keep an eye on some of the lower small budget teams, especially the JTG Doherty Racing cars of Chris Busher and Ryan Priest. Um, they both grew up on short tracks. They both have run here, run well here in the past. So I'd keep a, a, an eye out for them. But again, it's all dependent on the sticky substance on the bottom lane of the racetrack. I know you'll be keeping an eye on uh, Larson and Kurt Busch, but anybody else that's kind of off the radar that you're keeping an eye on this weekend? You know, I,
3: in the Cup Series, I, I think this could be another good week for, for Hendrick as well. Um, I'm definitely looking at our guys because we've had some some great top 10 runs. We've shown a lot of speed. Larson, I mean, dominated um, Atlanta. So we got race-winning cars. It's just about putting it together. And Bristol's a driver's track, right? So I think we're going to be able to get out there and do some good stuff. But Hendrick, again, after last week's speed and and, and kind of a package where the tires aren't falling off as much mm-hmm. and it's more of a, um, a pack kind of race. Fair. I don't know what Bristol's going to look like, dude, but... I think they're going to be a force to be reckoned with once again.
2: I think it might be some strategy plays as well, because like you heard, Chris Gabehart took zero tires on that round of pit stops, and it worked out pretty well. So depending on how much the tires are wearing, you might see some gas only and just some wedge and track bar adjustments or something, no air pressure. So we will see. Be sure to tune in this upcoming Sunday, 2 p.m. Green flag scheduled a little after that, probably around 2.30. I believe it's on Fox Sports 1, so tune in. All right, since I have a guest on the show, I'm going to let you cue the music. You have to scream Lug nuts of the Week and then whisper cue the music. So whenever you're ready, go ahead.
3: Lugnuts of the Week. Cue the music.
2: Looks pretty good. I might have to mess with those levels a little bit, but I like it. Okay, Tyler Reddick will have Dolly Parton. Yes, that Dolly Parton on the hood of his number two Chevrolet for RCR this weekend. And I think it might be a multiple race deal. Um, He's also part of the Dash for Cash this upcoming weekend. So you will not be able to miss that race car. I I promise you that. Austin Wayne Self has been suspended indefinitely for failing a drug test. He came out later on with a statement and apologized. So looks like Bubba Wallace in that number 22 truck the past couple weekends was, yeah, it was to see where their program is, but it also might have been Uh, something else fishy going on, and this might be what the fishiness was. Harrison Burton will make his Xfinity Series debut this weekend for Joe Gibbs Racing. Um, That'll be at Bristol, of course. His next races with the Xfinity Series are going to be at Iowa, new hampshire richmond at the charlotte roval dover kansas and texas later on in the year and dex imaging will be a sponsor of his as it has been so far throughout his entire racing career uh short lug nuts of the week this week elijah thank you for joining me my man it's been fun um so that'll wrap things up for episode five we are going to play some nascar thunder 2004 we're going to hit up the nascar hall of fame i've never been i'm very excited we're going to hit up our boy Christian Espinosa, check out the condos and Turn 1 in Charlotte. Um, so, yeah, thanks for joining me, man. It's been fun. We'll have you on later to talk about you and your story because I know it's very <laughs> interesting.
3: Yeah, yeah, I appreciate it. And, and guys, pay attention to the number 142 this weekend on Sunday. And, and we'll see some great k and action, some great Xfinity action. And, uh, again, Davey, glad to have you down here in Charlotte for your second time. What is it, seven years? Yeah,
2: I came down here seven years ago when oh, I won gosh. a contest on Twitter <laughs> I won tickets to the All Star Race from Kevin Harvick, and if, if you know anything about me and my background, like seven years ago, me it might have been a little bit longer because I was in high school. I think like tenth grade or something. I don't know, maybe it's right. wow. Um, but I remember I like got a notification on my phone, and I like I was like Miss Sample, can I go to the bathroom? Thanks. And I went to the bathroom and I like checked to make sure it was legit, and I screamed like I was freaking screaming, and I called my dad as soon as the bell rang, and I was like, What are you doing this weekend? He's like, nothing. Why? I was like, we're going to Charlotte. He's like, excuse me? I was like, I got tickets. He's like, it's a scam. I was like, it's
4: not a scam.
2: That's when Kevin. That's when Kevin Harvick had like five Twitter followers and he was just starting Uh promotions.
3: And you you were in there at the right time, dude. I'm
2: an OG. If you know me, you know I'm an OG KH fan. You were probably the
3: first follower, so.
2: Yeah, probably. (laughs) I I actually got Twitter because I wanted to follow along with him and and what he was doing. And there it is. And there it is. And there it is. That'll wrap things up for episode five of Victory Lane 2.0. Johnny Slaughter was cool. Uh, so was the race at Irwindale in Texas. Thanks to him and Natalie Decker for coming on. Hopefully the racing this weekend at Bristol uh, at the Last Great Coliseum will be great too. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud. We are all there. Elijah, have you uh, rated and reviewed yet? Uh,
3: dash PR.
2: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Peace and love. See you at Bristol. We Liddy And
6: now we out. Bye-bye.